Hey, hot girls. With the devastating impact of COVID-19, we could all use some tender loving care. Join the TLC Healing Co. community where Black women heal. Led by Desiree Hamilton, who is a therapist, coach, and healer, she teaches Black women how to prioritize themselves and heal through the mistakes made in love and relationships. For more information, resources, and a free copy of her ebook, Define, Prepare, Wait, a guide for Black women who want to put themselves first, please visit tlchealingco.com. Also, follow her at tlchealingco on Instagram and Facebook. Welcome to the Hot Girl Book Club. Welcome back to the Hot Girl Book Club. This is episode eight. I am one of your hosts, Tamika, a.k.a. Meek Meek. Okay, Meek Meek. And this is Ingrid <laughs> Mercer, a.k.a. Ingi. And how did you get the name Meek Meek? Um, oh, I have a confession. I have a couple childhood nicknames. That's the mm. one that I'm not ashamed of. But mm. Meek Meek is because... um. It's Tamika, Mika, and Meek Meek. Like some of my cousins would call me Meek Meek. Um, but I have another childhood nickname, and it was Dookie, which I do not like to be referred to as. <laughs> <laughs> and that was because during my potty training period, um, I did not like to use the bathroom where I needed to use the bathroom. It was either on myself or in the tub, as my mom would say. Oh, okay, man. I you know, I too. <laughs> <laughs> and this reminds me of Eddie Murphy. I think it's Raw or Delirious, where he talks about him and his brother in the um, tub. His oh, brother. yeah, I remember <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> that has happened to me as well, so you are not the only. You are not the only one. You're not alone. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you get your nickname? Uh, well, my name is Ingrid, so my aunt used to always call me um, Ingi, and I hated it. I hated it. But then in college, everybody started calling me that, and it just kind of stuck. So Ing or Ingies, and then it just stuck. So Yeah, yeah. I think it's cute. Aunts crazy. give the best nicknames. Uh, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. this month we read Rabbit, which is a memoir by Patricia Williams with Janine Amber as her ghostwriter. So the description is they called her Rabbit. She was born and raised in Atlanta at the height of the crack epidemic. One of five children, Pat watched as her mother struggled to get by on charity, cons, and petty crimes. At age seven, Pat was taught to roll drunks for money. At 12, she was targeted for sex by a man eight years her senior. By 13, she was pregnant. By 15, Pat was a mother of two. Alone at 16, Pat was determined to make a better life for her children, but with no job skills and an eighth grade education, her options were limited. She learned quickly that hustling and humor were the only tools she had to survive. Rabbit is an unflinching memoir of cinematic scope and unexpected humor. With wisdom and humor, Pat gives us a rare glimpse of what it's really like to be a black mom in America. So I read all that. <laughs> to, for the people who have not read the book, because that gives you an idea of the mess that was inside of it. Yes, the mess we are about to get into. <laughs> yeah, so it was, uh, whew, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. so it was heavy. I, 
as you can tell from the description, she didn't have a ideal adolescence or just childhood. And one of the things that she opens up the book with is her favorite childhood sitcom, which was Leave it to Beaver. And she said she preferred that one over good times because she's like, I know what it was like (laughs) (laughs) to live in (laughs) with with the good times, folks. So that's where I wanted to kind of start off our our discussion with Mm -hmm. what was your favorite childhood sitcom and why? Mm, So favorite childhood sitcom. I can't think of anything younger than maybe coming into my teenage years. So I'm going to say UPN you know, coming home after school. So after Ricky Lake and stuff went off, there was Moesha. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I'm going to go with because that's all I can remember right now. And yeah, that's it. I remember, you know, setting up my little, you know, uh, section. I did my homework, you know, watched a little bit of Ricky Lake before it went off. And then I was always in tune for Moesha. So what do you like about Moesha? Is it because you could relate to her? Yes. So for me, Moesha, the character, I was super boy crazy. I'm still boy crazy. So, you know, (laughs) she always had a new crush, always had a new boyfriend. You know, her friends were her life. Her family life was a little, you know, weird at times, you know, struggling to kind of like find herself and become this, well, not adult, but, you know, become a teenager and um, her household and then also dealing like, you know, with the younger sibling because I was the oldest and then the diary. Like I literally kept like journals, books, and I'm a writer. So that mm-hmm. was like that part I really related to. And then, you know, it was super cute, you know. Fun. The music was yes. on point. <laughs> <laughs> and around, around, and around. <laughs> and the theme song. Freestyle Unity, yes. Brandy. The- Brandy, yes, yeah. she sings. So. <laughs> what was your uh, for me, it was the Cosby show. Um, mm, okay. It didn't age well. But <laughs> well, well, the, don't do that. Okay. You can't take the, the lead person did not age well. But um, what I liked about it is that it wasn't a black show that seemed like they were trying to be white. Like these mm-hmm. were two professional people, black people who still, I guess, had their roots about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, like, I've never been the one that said that, like, I wanted to grow up and be married and have a bunch of kids. But if I had to do it, I wanted to be like Mrs. Huxtable. Mm. I wanted to be okay. like Um, Because, like, she still had her career, but she still was a mom. They had a bunch of kids. I grew up, it was just me and my sister. And some of the times it was just me in the house. So I liked a house full of kids, now mm. that I'm older and I have one, I realize how very expensive that is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I, man, I love that. I love that they had like very, I want to say well-paying careers, but like they were doing well for themselves. And like Denise goes off to go to college. They get the mm-hmm. spinoff. Like, I don't know. I like Which the Cosby I love. Show. Yes. But these are, this, the Cosby show is one of the um, instances where I will take that bullet and separate the art from the artist because you cannot knock the Cosby show. That really was a staple for a lot of black families, black children. Mm -hmm. It gave us something to look up to, you know, and it wasn't 
super ghetto. It didn't have to show us struggling. It showed us really just, you know, being normal. Right. So, yeah. Right. Which it was not my normal. I didn't grow up like mm-hmm. rabbit, but that definitely <laughs> was my normal. Look, I could relate to some of the things that rabbit <laughs> was going through. Whew, yeah. But yeah, the Cosby show, I, you know, that's one of those things I still watch. I, I will, you know, separate that one. Yeah, I could still watch it. Like, I'm not playing R. Kelly, but I would still watch the Cosby show. Girl. Um, (laughs) Because, yeah, every time I think, every time I, like, think about an R. Kelly song, I'd be like, they was talking about a a 13-year-old or some shit. And be like, no. And it's so bad because the music is so good. But, unfortunately, that is just one of those things. Like, I can't, can't support it, can't promote it. And I think... I don't know, because somebody recently, I think it was maybe Roxy from BET, said that she still plays R. Kelly. I feel like even if you do, that's something you keep to yourself. Yeah, because the lyrics don't even sound right. And I forgot she existed. Mm -mm. So maybe she wanted to be relevant again. (laughs) But um, (laughs) for me, it's like, it seems like you're ready. Mm-hmm. My mind's telling me no, but my body's well, telling yeah. me yes. I don't know if it's because I'm a mom of a teenager, but absolutely the fuck not. Yeah. I, I would no not be playing that. Mm-hmm. So I just had karaoke with uh, my friends late February. And I, my cousin's really not on social media because she works for the government. So she's like, it's less things for them to check for her clearances. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I'm going to sing an R. Kelly song. And it's like, no, you're not. <laughs> so she ha- mm-hmm. she's missed the whole mute R. Kelly thing. And I'm like, girl. Yeah, you, you you not about to sing that in my karaoke booth, no ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I just um, and it's weird because like I get like a lot of playlists and stuff like that on Apple, and people still put R. Kelly on their playlist. I have personally deleted everything um that I have of his from my music. But, um, I mean, I think, like, some things, like, if, like, Twister, like, he had him on his album. So, those things, he may still be there. But as far as, like, his soul music, like, his whole discography, I have mm-hmm. completely deleted. So, when I, when people put that on their playlist and stuff and I happen to get it, I'm just like, see, now I can't really even enjoy this because it's just a chance that this might, because you can't modify the playlist. So, nope. yeah, I, yeah I, I'm not a fan. I can't. <laughs> I haven't found it on a bunch of playlists, but the ones mm-hmm. that I do listen to are usually Spotify branded ones, and Spotify okay. took him off all okay. um all his playlists, mm-hmm. all their playlists. Apple but this is a not. good segue. To... Go ahead. <laughs> this is a good segue into um. <sighs> Don't say that, man. Some of the outrageous events oh, okay. because one of them was the fact that, like the description said, and in the book, how the baby daddy was in his twenties. I think he was oh. 20 when they met. He wasn't 19. I think he was 20. And his girl was like 12. 12. And her mama said, you know how old she is, right? And he still did not give a fuck. Her mama need her ass whipped because it's not going to be the, like, do you know how old she is? It's going to be like, if you don't get the fuck up off my steps, I'm going to bust your ass. I'm First sorry for all. my profanity ahead of time because <laughs> I got a teenager and I'm knocking somebody out. Somebody's Ooh. 20s on my step and I got a 12-year-old. I am going to jail they going with me but i'm going (laughs) look first of all he wouldn't even been able she wouldn't even know she had nobody at the door because ain't no way in (laughs) hell a 12 year old got any type of company a boy that i don't know that is not the same age 
oh, sir, get your ass up off my porch. And I probably wouldn't even tell her that he had stopped by. Like, that's not, <laughs> <laughs> that ain't even, it's not even up for discussion. It wouldn't even been no thing because she wouldn't even know. Like, mm, yeah. I, feel, I asked mm. my mom, um, what would she do if somebody older, mm-hmm. like, came by to pick me up? And she she had the same reaction to me as me. And I asked her this question because my real father was 17 years older than my mom. Mm, okay. Now I was born when she was in her twenties, mm-hmm. but she had started in her mind dating mm-hmm. um, him when she was 15 years old. And she said, my grandmother let him come by and pick her up. It was more acceptable back then because men represented establishment and in moving into womenhood and adulthood now we're not living under the same. I mean, we are, but this is not the Handmaid's Tale anymore. <laughs> so, therefore, but listen, he was already married. Who your daddy? Money can. Oh, girl, <laughs> <laughs> See, look, that's a dagger. <laughs> well, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Unacceptable, Bertha. Unacceptable. <laughs> oh, I saw something on the internet recently and it was like the double standard between like a woman being in a bad relationship and a man coming to save her and then why is it always the woman becomes a homebreaker when she tried to save the man out of a bad relationship so maybe your mama was helping your daddy out <laughs> no that man was married to the day he died mm, okay well, yeah that's a mess but we gonna get off my mess maybe I need a memoir too <laughs> Let's get back into the mess of the book because it's so much. <laughs> right. So what was the most outrageous event for you in the book? Mm. Like it was like crazy as hell. It was um, honestly, it was so many and it was really heartbreaking to see how she just cannot like overall throughout the book up until the end. Like she just could not find anybody to show her love. And that was pretty much what I felt like she was searching for through the entire book. Like, even, you know, starting out with her mom, then going on to her mom's boyfriend, you know, that molested her and her sister. That's why I thought she was going to take oh, it when you, yeah, when you said no. something about that R. Kelly thing. Before we even I got to Derek, about that. you know, men had already taken advantage of her. And then the relationship with Derek. I mean, girl, I ain't got just one. It was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. A lot of things happening. Um you know, men, you know what I do appreciate though, no women in the book. Um, she really did not talk about any struggles between women, like friends, her friends, the female friends that she did have, Mm -hmm. whether they was helping her do wrong or not, they were always helping her. They never, you know, did any backstabbing type shit that I can remember. Now her sister, her sister and her cousin, they really led her down the wrong path. Well, I mean, they they were not. I mean, how was they gonna get on the right one if we keep yeah, it one hundred? Right. But you're I right. forgot all about Mr. John. The, I think his name is John. Let me see my notes. <laughs> so that that's most heartbreaking Ooh. for me because I that is like the one thing, not the one thing, but that is like top for me when it comes to children, mm-hmm. um, and them having sex crimes committed against them, mm-hmm. and the fact that. I don't even know how she wrote about it, but I did read like some of her interviews where she was like, it was a healing thing for her. Mm -hmm. But I just could not imagine being in that place and like so little and you can't tell your mom or did she? No, she didn't tell her. 
No, like she, she didn't. She never disclosed in the book whether she told her now if they had a discussion later on. I'm not sure because it seems like later on in the book, when she met Derek, you know, she didn't even um, acknowledge the fact that this those incidents happened with Mr. John. She went into, oh, I'm a virgin, you know, whatever. So she never even talked about the um, molestation, you know, and stuff like that moving past those points. So... Right, which is common. A lot of people Mm -hmm. don't kind of share that because they try to bury it, which I completely understand. Right. That was, yeah, that was probably the most heartbreaking moment Mm -hmm. for me. And her describing her sister's reaction. And I don't, wherever Mr. John, I hope he's having a horrible life or he had a horrible death. I hate to be in hell. (laughs) Or, well, never mind. Let me not say that. But Mm. that is just. (laughs) Yeah, that was fucked up. Like, and then but, just, ooh, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Up. No, that was fucked up. That's all I'm gonna say about it. That was fucked up. But one of the craziest moments for me was her mentally challenged uncle, her granddaddy mm-hmm. setting up the. No. <laughs> I was like, excuse me. Like, I literally, I I was reading it, and I was like, mm-hmm. we had to. Um, no, when she said granddad would pay for Miss Such and Such to sleep with uncle. And I was like, hold on. Didn't she say that motherfucker was slow? <laughs> I literally <laughs> scrolled back, like went through. I had the ebook, like going back, like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's slow. And then I kept reading how she was explaining how they had to prop him up. And I was like, oh, you motherfuckers are wrong. Are Look, I'd have been getting my liquor wrong. for free. Okay. <laughs> Ain't no way you would have had to pay me and give me my liquor for free. That's crazy. Like, <laughs> woo, she was just exposed to so much at a young age. Like, how, why? <laughs> woo, yeah. Like, what you mean, prop him up? What is wrong with people? Like, nothing clicks. Like, you know what? We probably shouldn't have the kids around this. Like, girl, I feel like they never even had an opportunity to be kids from the moment. They were born, they was living in the liquor house, you know, or whatever, in the hood, around crazy shit, and then it just got worse from there. I don't feel like they ever had a childhood. So, (laughs) like, they was grown as hell early, early on. She did not have an opportunity to be a child. Not at all. Mm Mm-mm. She never, ever explained, like, she never talked about her granddad after excuse me, those first few chapters either, like after they left the liquor house because he went to jail, <laughs> which that was funny when he shot that lady. <laughs> that, that That's probably the only moment where I laughed because the rest of it, I was just so shocked and appalled. Mm-hmm. And like, I know she says things in a funny way, but certain yeah. stuff I'm just not, I'm just not laughing at. But the incident where her granddaddy shot. <laughs> and said, call the cops. And told him, hell yeah, I shot her. (laughs) 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 Yes, that was funny. That was funny. Crack it up. (laughs) Woo. Mm, mm, mm. Oh my God. I guess if you won't go out, that's the way to go. Like, yeah, I shot her. Uh, But I'm glad, you know, she lived. (laughs) Right. But Mm. I wanted to know the end of Granddad's story. Yeah, she really didn't um, talk about him. I think she mentioned him, like their relationship growing up, maybe a little bit um, towards the middle end of the book. But that was it. Like we never heard, you know, whether he died in prison, you know, what happened to him 
if they ever kept the relationship. But, you know, honestly, she didn't have the resources. How was she really going to... They barely had anywhere to stay. How was she going to keep in contact, you know, with him? Right, but eventually... Yeah. She got stable. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Um, so there was a point in the book where rabbits start selling drugs. This is the... Hey. The height of the crack era, which I am so glad I was born in the middle of it. Well, maybe not. Well, I'm glad that my mama was not taking part. Let yeah. me just say that because mm-hmm. if you are an 80s baby, you know a crack baby. Mm-hmm. You know at least one. Um, So it's the 80s was a mess. It was a complete mess. And she was right up in it Um, on the more lucrative side. Mm-hmm. She did good for herself, honestly. Yeah, for the most part. (laughs) Yeah, she was she was doing she was doing well. Um, and just the way I'm glad that she explained like how she did well, but also how it ended up messing her up Mm -hmm. and how she needed to find some something else. Well, her husband, um, future husband, ended up pushing her, you know, out of that. But I love the fact that when he came in, he wasn't judgmental. But yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, she it's was a hustler. She look. She said, "Okay, selling crack don't work. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do forgery. I'm gonna do look." Right. She went from low life crimes. She got a, dabbled in a little bit of. Um, is that the, well? That's not considered a uh, blue collar, but you know, she tried to <laughs> move over. You know, to the nine to five side of the house and commit crime. It was. I mean, she just. When it came to work, she just could not get it together. I'm like, when she was like, oh, yeah, I started writing bad checks. I'm like, this is not what that nigga meant when he said, get your shit together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, girl, I don't think this is what that meant. <laughs> and her 20-page rap sheet, like, woo, she couldn't get it together to save her life at first. And I was like, I'm a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, and I just, it. I think reading this, it forced me and it shouldn't be this way, but this is why I love memoirs because you get to see it from the other person's shoes mm-hmm. and knowing how she grew up. Mm. It's like, oh, that's why you did what you did. Like, it it, right. it it makes sense. Like, you don't know anything about going to get a regular job because your mama ain't worked a day in her damn life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she might have felt like she was doing better than her mom because it's like, I'm bringing in a oh, lot yeah. of money. I ain't a drunk like my mama. Mm -hmm. Right. My kids are taken care of. Mm -hmm. I'm also taking care of my sister's kids, you know. Mm -hmm. My Uh, mama. So in a a sense, she was doing better. Right. (laughs) Than how she grew up. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I'm like, girl, like, don't you get tired of having the police over your shoulder? Mm. But it seemed like she didn't have a lot of heat up until she pretty much was about to be out of the game because she didn't really talk about run-ins with the police up until like she started working for herself you know and then that's right when... she didn't yeah she didn't have run-ins but when you do that kind of stuff you're paranoid mm-hmm. i ain't gonna tell you how but I, I feel know. like she didn't have a mental <laughs> capacity to be paranoid until she realized oh this shit is real you know what i'm saying like i feel like the day where her mom and um what she call them the rat something or whatever they were uh, the drug, um, the drug division from the police department oh, okay. that came and raided um their side of town, or whatever. And then like when she got shot, 
I feel like those were the eye opening moments when she was like, okay, maybe this is not, you know, the funny games that I thought it was going to be. This shit is real. So right. And she got thing. shot by that, that crackhead, right? Crackhead. Then he like, oh, okay. That nigga said, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> oh my gosh. The audiobook. I mean, I know it's not funny, but. The audiobook was fucking hilarious, okay? That's what yeah. my, my friends, they keep telling me, like, go back and, and listen to the audiobook. Yes. Like, the I way she to... describes it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play some snippets if I get a chance while we are recording because hilarious. I mean, it was moments where I was like, I know I shouldn't be laughing, but damn it. <laughs> like, the way she's reading and then the way she's talking, it's like, you can't help but laugh. Yeah, my my cousin, she was um, full transparency. This was our book club pick for March. But I also have in a group chat book club where we read one book a quarter. Mm. And I chose this one for that. So because we do a lot of petty things. We well, we have a lot of petty conversations about mess on the Internet and stuff like that. So I'm like, this will fit in perfect. And my cousin read it and she was like, she was laughing. So she didn't even listen to the audiobook and she mm-hmm. still got a good kick out of it just yes. reading it. And I'm like, y'all, I was just appalled. And I'm like, are y'all laughing? My cousin's like, yeah, I am cracking up. And I'm like, I'm, I don't know. It was just like, what in the world is going on? Like, it was like a surprise moment, like every chapter, like, Yes. Hold on. Y'all thought this was normal? Like her mom naming the her brothers Andre and Dre. <laughs> <laughs> the same damn name. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> LaDante. Girl, I was like, her sister baby, LaDante. Like, okay. So Dante is the daddy. <laughs> right. No denying that. <laughs> Ooh, yes. Nakia. Yeah, them them were some names. I was like, woo. Like, uh, yeah, I love, <laughs> I love a good ghetto. Woo, y'all got some names. I love a good ghetto name. I love they a good ghetto it. name. That's why my name Tamika. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, oh, my God. But it's it's funny how when you look at a group of kids and, like, all their names, um, her name just seems like it's, it's an oddball. Mm-hmm. Out of like all her her brothers, with her just being named Patricia. Because what was her sister's real name? When it's I don't to... remember her sister's. Uh, I don't remember might... her having another name. That might be that might be her that name. That might be her name. Name is Sweetie. Yeah, I think that right. Was her that name. might be her name. Because my um my grandma, all her kids have traditional, I would say Anglo-Saxon names, and I got this mm-hmm. one uncle who was born in the fifties, whose name is Jatuan. and I'm like. And he in the middle. And I'm like, Granny, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 crazy how, yeah, their names were just all over the place because mm. their mama, I don't know what was going on. I don't know how they let her repeatedly go home with these kids. Yes. And I'm surprised. From what I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Defects never took them. And then it was like baby on top of baby. And I'm surprised the boys didn't have any children, but I mean, I guess, you know, the babies always go with the mamas anyway, so. Right. But didn't, didn't, what y'all call it in Georgia, defects? Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, um, they showed up to the house though, right? They came, but they never took the kids away. My thing is, if they're coming and they're seeing the way the living situation is, they never came exactly. and took them. But defects was definitely involved because I remember, 
her talking about the summer camp and her mama never went to go get the items. And mm-hmm. that lady, I think, I believe that lady was from DFAT, if I'm right. not mistaken. So. They try not to take them if they don't want to because they usually are so overwhelmed. I ain't going to tell you how I know. But um, they only take them if, like, it's, if they don't take them, it's going to look bad on them. But them kids. Yeah, that was a lot. I mean, she was pregnant at 13. Her sister had had a baby before. Like, this is a 12-year-old. You mean to tell me y'all ain't like, excuse me? And granted, it was the 80s, like I said, the height of the crack epidemic. Maybe they were overwhelmed because crack babies were like a thing. They had a lot to do and a lot to deal with with that. But listen. Right. <laughs> ain't no way. Ain't ain't no way. I'm airing everything out. My 12-year-old come home pregnant because something is wrong. Mm. And then both of them. That's it, like. Mm. And that was both pregnant ag- again. Mm-hmm. Oh, when she said her and Derek was pregnant within eight months after she had the first baby and he wasn't shit and his wife showed up to the house. Ooh. Look. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why she stayed with Derek for as long as she did, because I'm telling you right now, that nigga was not shit. And I was surprised she stayed as long as she did, too, because once yes. she was like hustling, making money, I know other niggas was trying to get at her. Hello, <laughs> come on now. <laughs> like the minute I'm good, I'm, I'll be on my way. Like, um, <laughs> I get it that she was young too, because I was like really in love with my daughter's father. But by year one, I was like, oh, we you can go. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> no, actually, we didn't even make it to her first birthday. I was like, oh no, nah. because it's like if other niggas is trying to get at me and treat me better, I scurried mm-hmm. on along to someone else yeah. quickly. Like, no. She didn't know any better. It was it was sad because my thing is he showed up at the hospital with another girl when you had your baby. He didn't help you out with the first baby. And then you lay down in a crack house and had the second, you know, y'all was screwing around. He had the second baby or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that was just... Uh, and then he was beating on you. But, you know... I don't, you know, it's, she just didn't she, know, she any ain't know any better. Right. <laughs> I remember a friend, I'm using that word loosely, had told me about um, the first night with her, with her man and how she had went to his house and he was renting a room and how he had laid a pallet down so they could lay down mm-hmm. and, and have sex on a fucking pallet. Now, mind you. I believe both of them were in their 30s at this point. Oh, no, because, girl, I'm thinking back to uh, my first time, and I'm like, um, you know, I'm not going to judge. No, it was the, it, it was the first time. It was the first time they <laughs> were them. hanging out. Okay. Now, listen, if a motherfucker think that you're going to lay me on a pallet, you got another motherfucker thing coming. <laughs> Especially- I have had sex in some places that I'm not proud of. But listen here, if you think. <laughs> That I am fucking on a goddamn pallet in my fucking thirties. I'll beat your ass. And hello, the back ain't the same. The knees ain't the same. You think I'm finna do what? Look, the <laughs> bank account ain't the same. So if you think, Ooh, if we you think, mm. like I have been poor, but there are levels. <laughs> Look, at and least when I-, I was poor and I had. And I was on the floor. I had a mattress on the floor before I could afford to buy a box spring. And I was in college, okay? Exactly. Just moved off, <laughs> off of campus. Like, 
Mm-hmm. So I know the struggle, but I, I went that deep in the struggle now. I at least had a mattress. <laughs> and you know, they're like this situation right now. I could be on the floor. I won't say in six months because I definitely mm-hmm. prepared for this time. But say I didn't prepare. Mm-hmm. I could definitely be on the floor. The Lord giveth and he taketh away. Oh, yes. However, if I'm in that situation and I got to invite a man over to a pallet, what I'm going to do is wait for love until I can afford a better situation. Exactly. You niggas Hello. don't do that. Y'all <laughs> niggas be like, take us as we are. No, you wait. You can't date right now. Girl, they be they, you work hard. Your extra time and money, because having a girlfriend is expensive, mm-hmm. should be towards getting, you know, a box spring, a mattress, a frame. You know, you focus <laughs> on that. Then you call me after you got that, and we can date. Nah, girl, they want love in the struggle. Right, No. They want love while they're getting their shit together. We don't get the same fortunes. Women got to come already equipped with their stuff together for a man to even think about. Took him where? She took him in the struggle. You see how you did? (laughs) Girl. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly, but she was only 13, you know, and maybe she thought, you know, this is it. But moving into adulthood, I'm just like, I just didn't see, like, she was still, I'm like, we to the middle of the book and she's still <laughs> talking about this nigga? <laughs> like, he done went to jail, you know, you making fast money, you making money, you can't even, you don't have nowhere to even put it. I'm telling you, I would have had somebody else. I really would have had, had I'm not loyal. I would have had several. <laughs> I'm not loyal. I would have had Me either. Her. And I'd have been caking. I'd have had me some little chummy chums. I look. I would not have had him. First of all, too many women. I don't play that game. And then you beating on me and making me look stupid. I don't play that game either. Because I'd have whipped. I know she was at the (laughs) clinic. I know she was at the clinic. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Because he wasn't using no condoms. Mm mm. Not at all. Not in the eighties. Absolutely not. Babies, babies, babies. It's sad. Like woo. Mm mm mm. Yeah. Yeah, like I've been done, but I haven't been on this level. Mm-mm. So I'm judging. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to judge because I have made some stupid mistakes. You know, everybody does. I feel like it's a part of the going process or whatever. Right. Now, if she would have stayed in the struggle, then okay. But I'm so glad that she did not pass up Michael. So I'm not even going to judge. You know what? She needed to go through that shit so she could appreciate a man like Michael. And she fought for Michael. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm usually like, I'm not loyal, nor do I beg. And Um, nor do I stand in front of a car that might be moving. (laughs) But, man, that part to me was just so beautiful. One, her sister, like the CPS or defects called her and she immediately went into, I need to get these babies. Mm -hmm. For me, my mind doesn't necessarily shift like that. And... I wish it did, mm-hmm. um, but it's not now. But she immediately, you know, thought of the kids and it's not, she didn't think of, well, how am I going to be able to do this? It's, I am going to do this. I need to go get those kids. Those kids need me. Right. And Michael is like thinking like me, like, oh girl, not all these damn kids. I got to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Four or um, five kids. Yeah. We but don't even I have mean, one of our own. Yeah. Yeah. And just the... The fact that he did stay and then that she she raised these kids, I was so sad to see them go back, but I mm-hmm. get it. Um, 
But that that was a really beautiful part of the story for me watching how, you know, she went into aunt mode like she didn't even think about it. It's just like the kids need me. I'm going to get them. And she fought for him. He stayed. And it like the story turned into a fairy tale for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was really selfless. And I really love that about her. Um you know, no matter what, you know, how people treated her and stuff like that, she continued to like give and give until she just, you know, even if she didn't have enough, she continued to give. So I love that about her, her character. I think that's one of the reasons why she's so blessed too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cause she could have looked, she could have ended up in a lot of places, but you know, one thing that I loved about her journey God, like, continued to give her the universe, whoever you, you know, look up to or whatever, um, continue to give her angels because I literally, like, from the beginning that, you know, she's talking about her childhood and, you know, the teacher at her school, Miss Troop, and then she went on to talk about um, the guy that she ended up um, getting drugs from or whatever, like, how he was, like, an angel in her life. Michael became an angel in her life. Like, no matter where she was on her journey, she continued to meet these people that kind of just changed her perspective, kind of changed her traje- trajectory, excuse me, like for her life path and just kind of got her to where she is, you know, now, you know, she where she was over to, um, excuse me, able to overcome. And at the end of the book, you know, she was, she literally said, you know, thank, I'm thankful for my angels, you know, that were placed in my life. Cause that's what I was mm-hmm. thinking about immediately as I was reading this. I was like, well, damn, you know, she down on her luck. But she literally keep meeting these every for every four, you know, bad situations or bad people in her life. There was that one good person that came, you know, ever so often and kind of just put some gems in her life. So that was really dope. So I have two questions to Mm -hmm. piggyback off that. Who was your favorite angel like from the book? And then also, is there a situation in your life where you had an angel or just somebody who just like really looked out for you? Mm. Hmm, my favorite. I'm going to, honestly, it's a tie between Miss Troop and Duck. Duck, and I'm going to give you, Duck was the one that she was selling drugs selling with. Selling drugs with, okay. Yes. Yeah, he was dope, so, man. Yes, he was. So I'm going to say the both of them, if I'm allowed to. Um, for Miss Troop, I feel like when a child, when we're young, we're very impressionable, and she was continually being fed that I'm not lovable. But that lady literally showed her there's some good in the world. Like she didn't have to do any of the things that she, you know, did for her. And I'm laughing because it was a part in the book where, you know, she pulls her to the side. She's like, "Hey, you know, whatever." Um, and she started giving her clothes and giving her, you know, toiletry items to like clean herself properly, take care of herself and her personal um hygiene, you know, whatever. And one of the things she said when she opened a duffel bag was she was expecting them badass boots that Miss Troop was wearing because Miss Troop was very, very stylish. So I think about Miss Troop as like a Mary J. Blige, you know, Mary got mm-hmm. the boots, honey. She got the boots, she got the hat, she got the style. And that's kind of the way that she described Miss Troop. So it was just hilarious to see her say, you know, um, she was expecting that. But, you know, she took her, you know, in and, you know, she provided her with a little safe place because people were making fun of her, you know, whatever, because of um, the fact that she was not clean, which I don't think is fair, 
you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But children can be mean and children don't understand that that's out of, you know, the child's control. But the teacher, the teacher that she had was even nasty about it, which to me is Ooh. not right. Like, as a teacher, you are also a parent, regardless of whether you feel like you signed up for that. There are some children that you are going to have to foster. And that is just the reality of the thing, especially when you're working in certain communities. And Miss Troop really, you know, she really set the tone for, you know, coming in and helping her. And then also she taught her how to read, which was hilarious because she said when she was reading her mama them horoscopes and she was making shit up. <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> that. <laughs> I am dying uh, because <laughs> she was like, it is not a good day to beat your children. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, it was bad moments, but it was hilarious. So I'm going to say Miss Troop um, and then Duck because he held shit down. You know, he changed the game for her as far as her like selling dope because she really didn't know what she was doing. Um, you know, and he just kind of make her be a little bit smarter about it. Because I feel like she probably would have been dead or been in jail without Duck. And then right, she the money. Was hot. Yes, yes, because she was moving way too fast, moving too loud, moving too flashy. And, you know, between him kind of, you know, changing her thoughts on how the game should go and then him actually saving that money when they split ways and he gave her her money back. I don't feel like there's a lot of people in the world that would give somebody, you know, um, that amount of money, you know, save that mm-hmm. amount of money for them and actually give it back to them when times, you know, were rough because that was, you know, them parting ways. But, those are my two people if I had to like really, really choose. So Okay. Yeah. Mine was the um the man from the laundromat. Oh who, like would watch the yes. kids. Um what I forgot his name? his name. Start with an H, I feel like. Um I feel like it was Mr. Something. Yeah, Mr. Hood. Cause she was like, Why why is they calling the laundromat hood? But that was his last <laughs> name. <laughs> so yes, yeah, Mr. Hood. Yeah, he was dope too, because he put her up on game. In regards to um credit, you know, being financially savvy, because she was making fast money. She had no idea, you know, whatever, as far as, um, you know, what white people have in, you know, in life to help them succeed <laughs> and mm-hmm. move, you know, past just, you know, um, the initial um, instant gratification. So I did like him, Mr. Hood. Yeah, and I, I think that resonated with me a whole lot because in college especially, I had a bunch of Mr. Hoods Mm. who just would like take me under their wing, ignore my ratchetness, try to level me out and like really look after my daughter in times where I really need it. And the minute Mm. I get rich, them people getting some long checks and the minute I have room in my estate to add them, I'm going to do that as well. (laughs) Like I really... Like they don't, they don't want any, anything from me, but I'm just like, I just want to do something major for those people. Cause I feel like, like, I feel like I would not have graduated college without them, mm-hmm. but they say, oh, you would have been fine. And I'm like, like you said, those angels that are in place for you mm-hmm. really like the universe is like, I know you need this. I'm going to put this person here. Right. You know? Um, so I'm just really, really grateful for them folks. And. Mm. And the plan is to show you that I understand. <laughs> Y'all <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Now that you said something about that, um, 
I don't think, you know, I'm immediately thinking about school because that's um, where my angel for her came from. But I really didn't have that growing up. Um, one person I do remember is my first grade teacher, Mrs. Oliver. She's a white woman. And I grew up in New York, you know, whatever. Um, we grew up middle class, like I talked about before. But, you know, I really didn't know. I don't know why I didn't know, but I feel like I didn't know white people existed until I moved to Georgia. And then I was at a white, predominantly white school. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's white people. <laughs> but she was a white person that I knew um, growing up and she loved me. So I don't know how we connected, but I will never like she is still like embedded in my memory. Like I still see her face, still see her hair. Like she had this frost white hair. Um and we really had this really crazy bond. Um, and I remember like she gifted me like earrings. She used to write me letters. She really used to pour into me, like encourage me to like write stories and stuff like that. Aww. And um, yeah, she passed away when I was younger, um, you know, whatever. So that was like really hard for me. But you talking about, you know, people that you met in college, like literally she's the last good person I feel like I met within the school system. When I moved to Georgia, my teachers fucking hated me. Like any little reason. You went to private school? No, I just went to a predominantly white school. Oh, predominantly white. This loud, you know, black girl from New York, you know, whatever. But even the black teachers were like that too. I had a um, black coach or whatever. And he was just real nasty. Like I noticed like anytime, you know, that he could try to, um, you know, just make me like the oddball out. Like he didn't mind doing it. Like I remember like, um, I got in trouble for like writing stories, um, you know, reading hood books and I was, you know, a writer. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to write me some. And I remember like, um, a teacher took my story, highlighted, she read through the whole thing, highlighted all the bad parts, you know, called my mom instead of just saying, Hey, you know, you, we see that you're interested in writing. Let's try and focus it on, you know, this, something that's more appropriate for your age. Like any way that they could really, like I stayed in ISS and I stayed in OSS, which is in school suspension and um, out of school suspension. Oh, I, I know. And I was almost sent to alternative school. Like I was literally on my way. Um, if we would have been school any longer, my ass would have been, at an alternative school fucking graduating because any chance that them teachers could to like be like, okay, you know, we about to, you know, write her up, whatever the case may be. It was never anybody trying to teach and trying to understand where I was coming from, you know, cause I was shell shocked. Like I had, it was like a culture shock for me, like moving and transitioning. So there was a lot of, you know, acting out or not even just acting out, just trying to find myself and not, maybe not doing it in the most appropriate ways, but there was no, you know, guidance whatsoever. And it was terrible. So, yeah, I I can only think about Mrs. Oliver right now, but I'm sure there's other people. And if somebody <laughs> feels like they are that, um, don't feel bad that I cannot think about it right now. But as far as I'm thinking about the school system, and that was one of those people that really stayed with me. So, yeah, I think for me, it's it was either in the school system or church. Um, yeah. Some mm-hmm. way connected because I mean, oh, work too. Mm-hmm. I've I've had angels for work. I had a um, white woman at work too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Now that I think about it, yeah. So I guess the places that we are the most is typically mm-hmm. where our angels, our angels, um, show up. But I am definitely this is why I'm trying to be a better human every day mm-hmm. because at times I don't feel like I deserve that grace because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo. 
Yeah. I remember God like cussed <laughs> a few folks out and then like still were like nice to me. And I'm like, you should have beat my ass. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just yeah. It's kind of nice kind of revisiting those those memories of those people who mm-hmm. who didn't have there, to, yeah. Who did not have to be there. Yeah. Definitely. Um because you just honestly, it's like um you know, just somebody giving and pouring into you and they're really not expecting nothing back. They're doing it out of the kindness of their heart and just showing you love and they're not saying, you know, you owe me. You need to reciprocate that. They're honestly just giving. And sometimes that's all that it takes. So I'm definitely, um, I try to do the same, um, especially when I see moments to do it where people may not notice that it's a moment, um, you know, where they are actually acting out of need. And I try and, mm-hmm. you know, step in and try and fill some type of um, void because because of that, because I'm in a place to do so. And because I do want to leave like an imprint. I don't believe in right. being like these people buying up all this shit that they don't fucking need um because if you i mean everybody should know at this point you know what we're dealing with so um yeah you know yeah those moments where people could be you know selfless and be given this is the perfect opportunity so yeah and remember folks when you operate out of a spirit of lack you teach the universe to continue bringing you moments like that Mm -hmm. but when you act from a spirit of peace and abundance, you will be <laughs> forever word. rewarded. Now pass something, pass the collection plate, and add a dollar. <laughs> my cash out, but that's what I've been noticing. I'm like, mm-hmm. those people fail to realize they just going to keep bringing those moments. And mm-hmm. there's been times where I was low at stuff because I don't, I don't hoard stuff or buy a bunch of stuff at once because it's only two of us and yeah. it's a lot of times where stuff is going to waste and I've continued to operate that way because it's like you know what I eat some way mm-hmm. but what I'm not about to do is about to be crazy out here with y'all folks I'm not I'm not mm-hmm. doing that nope <laughs> I have yet to do it I'm just like because I don't have time to be around panicky people because um you know just I absorb a lot of people's energy so I like to kind of sit within my own and I can't be out in the streets with people acting crazy because I personally have grown a lot and I don't need anybody to take me back from when exactly. I came from. So I try and stay on, uh, you know, on the straight and narrow. So I can't be out here in the streets playing with y'all because if I was in some of these situations where I'm seeing people taking shit from old people, nigga, I'm going to jail because I'm about to beat your motherfucking ass. And then and now I'm at store. risk because I'd beat your ass. Right. <laughs> I, I contaminated myself out here playing with you. Yeah. Right. And people drinking out of stuff and coughing on, let me see some bullshit like that. That's why I order my shit to go and pick up because I'm not about to play. And I remember like the last time, not the last time, but the time before last, I went to pick up. And, um, you know, um, what's happening now is pick up is like two to three days later, where now, uh, before it used to be, excuse me, the same day, maybe a few hours later or the next day. And um, some of my items were not available. And I immediately was like, I know I placed this order two, three days ago. I know you guys did not give away my stuff. And, um, you know, I was like, if you only had about five items, I don't even need this order. But I was like, you know what? Let me not give this grocery store worker a hard time because mm-hmm, I already mm-hmm. know they're struggling. I said, look, girl, I ain't going to give you a hard time, okay? And I immediately switched. But old me was like, girl, go off. But I was like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> like, it's a blessing that, you know, she has a job. She's able to help me. And it's a blessing I'm able to get 
some items versus not all the items that I want. So let me not be evil. Let me not be nasty, you know, because people out here being real nasty and buying up shit and acting a damn fool. Right. So that brings me to our next segue um, with what you what you learned from the book, because Mm -hmm. this book is another testament to you don't know somebody's story. You don't know what they're going through. And when you encounter people to be as gracious as possible, like not being judgmental. Um, This is why memoirs are my favorite thing to read, because you can always learn something from somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. I have not experienced a tinge of that type of poverty um, <laughs> that she has experienced. My mama wasn't perfect, but I'd be damn mm-hmm. right <laughs> if my mama was like that. Yeah. Um. So, just want to kind of talk about what are some some lessons that you learned for the from the book. Mm. Um. You know that cliche tough. You know tough times don't last always. Really, because mm. she um. No matter how low she got, she just kept rolling with it, rolling with the punches, you know, doing what she needed to do to take care of herself. And then, you know, uh, furthermore, take care of her children, you know, whatever. And then she did what she needed to do to make sure she never became her mom. So it was just a story of perseverance, persistence and resiliency. And I love that about her. So if nothing else, that's what I took away from the book. You know, you got to keep going. You got to do what you got to do, because at the end of the day, nobody else is going to do it for you. You need to do it for yourself. You need to show up for yourself and then you need to show up for the others that are depending on you. So um, that's one of the biggest lessons that I took from the book. And then, uh, you know, black people, we tend to um, make jokes out of hardships. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) And that was another lesson, too. Like, you know, you can either cry about it or you can make this shit funny. And she continuously made those situations and those events funny you know and that's how we got her story because yeah. she ended up becoming a, a comedian so mm-hmm. i've actually never seen her stand up me but... either i wanted to go to unfortunately um i'm sure it's per- postponed now because um city win- winery oh, season right. has closed down but she was supposed to be here in atlanta in april and i was contemplating buying a ticket of course because we were reading a book this month for march and then oh my gosh she's gonna be here in april but, um, you know, so that's no longer. But if she does come back to Atlanta, I do plan to go and see her because she definitely she's hilarious. I mean, just reading the book, she was hilarious. And then, um, you know, I'm inspired by her story. So definitely would like to go out and support her. Right. And I'm curious because I'm sure she's sharing new stories about her life. Mm-hmm. I'm sure she love, got hella love, stories. <laughs> love some updates, updates <laughs> on it. Because the interview, I think it was a few years ago, but she was saying how, you know, they still don't know where her niece is. Mm. And she has the kids. And I was like, oh. That's crazy. Yeah. That's sad. Mm-hmm. What were um some of the lessons that you took away from this book? Yeah, just to be gracious, to mm-hmm. to not judge folks. Um, you don't know what's on the other other side. Um, yeah, that that's most of it. Just um, you know, when you meet people, you don't know the baggage, or not even the baggage. I hate to use that word, but just the the things that they have been through that mm-hmm. brought them to that very moment there in front of you, and to treat them as if 
You do know that. Mm-hmm. Just being gracious with people. Yeah, I think that's just like a human thing. And you don't even need to be privy to what somebody has been through, their right. struggles. Just be kind because you just never know. You know, right, you could be two, two seconds. Everybody got something. Look, you could be two seconds away from getting your ass beat because it just might be that day for somebody. So, yeah, just just be kind. You know, you never know what somebody is going through, what they have been through. You know, yeah, I'm going to give you one second and I'm going to try to be calm. And you still come come out of that bag. I might have to cuss you out, but it's with love. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's with love. But I'm trying to be better. I'm sure that lady at my former dentist office don't feel that way. But, yeah. you know. <laughs> sometimes you got to Sometimes you gotta get people together. I'm just going to be honest. Ooh, I got everybody in that office together. Sometimes you have the to hell out of my child. Look, I had my to child get my said dad. I myself. <laughs> Look, I had to get my dad together yesterday. Sometimes you have to get people together. Because they really have you fucked up out here in these streets. <laughs> and I ain't had none of that. So, mm-mm. All right, so what was your overall feelings about the book? I loved it. It okay. was hilarious. Um, like, I I wrote so many notes down because it was some moments where I was like, oh my God, I remember that. Like the Miami boys where she talked about them. They were in another book um, that I read. I, were they in Fly Girl? They were something that I read recently. Um or maybe a documentary that I watched um, recently on maybe Netflix where they were talking about drugs and like the different organizations and stuff that developed. But that just made me, I was like, oh my God, I remember that. And then, you know, I currently live, you know, south of Atlanta. So as she's talking about these different places, I'm like, oh, okay, I know where that is. I know where that is. You know, when they went to Phipps Plaza you know, or mm. her living in Riverdale, you know, Riverdale is like, what, 20 minutes for me, 20, 30 minutes. So um, just her talking about those different places, even though I did not grow up here. Well, I was a teenager when I moved. But um, like those little things for me, I love nostalgia. So like, it just kind of was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I remember that. You know, I remember that. And um, it was something else. Oh, the Atlanta child murders. And I saw you, you talked about it. Um, I can't, I guess it's a documentary coming out. And I yeah, and I listened that. to the podcast. It's one of mm-hmm. my favorite I crimes. Too. I love I did it. Too. Yes. And it was featured on Mindhunters. So I don't know if you've ever watched Mindhunters on Netflix. Season two is based around the Atlanta child murders. And um, they left it, you know, hanging because, of course, the story is unfinished. Even though I feel like I think that nigga did it, but that's another that's another. I don't think that. (laughs) I think that honestly, because of the times, I really do feel like it was some dirty shit going on between police and the KKK. Because I don't feel like. Yes, I feel like he was weird, you know, or he is weird because he's still alive. Excuse me, Wayne is still alive, but um, I don't. I don't see all those murders being on him. Now, if he had some dealings in it, you know, maybe somebody, you know, coerced him because he was definitely somebody that was looking for attention. So maybe he was working, you know, with someone. But to think Mm -hmm. that he did all that by himself, I don't think so. I don't think he did all of them. So before I, before they did this podcast a couple of years ago where they actually, they talked to him. Mm-hmm. They talked to people who grew up around that time. They talked to the victims' families. They talked to folks that were almost abducted mm-hmm. by him. 
Um, they talked to the police. Mm-hmm. I I left that podcast. Well, ended it was like I think he he did something. Um, so I can't remember who did it, but it's really good. It's really popular. Um, yeah, it's podcast. Um, I think it's called Monster. I have it under my um, yes. thing. I look at yes. it. It's something. It's something with Monster in it. But mm-hmm. yeah, that I'm I'm waiting for the documentary and then Atlanta also, Monster. Yeah. Um, I'm getting ready to read The Untelling by Ta- Taari Jones. She wrote American mm-hmm. Marriage. Okay. Yeah. But she grew up in Atlanta, went to school in Atlanta. So okay. it's like a fiction story based around mm-hmm. that because I think she was in her adolescence during during the 80s. Mm, okay. You need to watch My Hunter too um, because I don't know what state they originated in, but it's uh, two people from the FBI. So it's a young guy that becomes... Um, a crime analyst or whatever. I don't know his um, specific job title, but he works for the FBI. The second season, they come to Atlanta and they are investigating child murders. Is it fiction? Uh, Yes, but it's okay. loosely based on it or whatever. Okay. And they interview some of the Black families whose children have been taken, you know, just as you mentioned. And they also um, interview one of the kids that were almost taken. So... And then they also reenact, so, like, some of those scenes from the podcast where they mm-hmm. discuss, like, the bridge, you know, him dumping the body the night that they actually took him into custody, they recreate that in the show. Okay. So, it, it's really good. They did a great job, but, of course, it's unfinished because that whole investigation and stuff like that is unfinished because I think um, the mayor of Atlanta, uh, Keisha, she Keisha. wants to reopen the case. So that's the last thing I think I've heard about it. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel like there's more than one person involved yeah, with that. But more than what we have been told. But, you know. Keep that one nigga, though. He needs to stay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I agree. I feel like um something about him does not fit well something. with me. Yes. Uh, but um, back to the book. So my overall feelings about the book... Um, like I said, I do love memoirs. I do do love people showing mm-hmm. who they are. The only thing that bothers me, and it's part of the description, but also I know that this book is not just going to touch Black women. Other people of all races are going to read it. The end of the description, as I read it earlier, says she gives us a rare glimpse of what it's really like to be a Black mom in America. Mm. I don't like that part yeah. because... That's not a traditional experience for mm-hmm. being a black mom in America at all. Right. Like not even like at all. Mind you, I don't know all black women, mm-hmm. but I can tell you, I can talk to all my friends and a lot of them or 99% of them are going to be like, I ain't grow up like that. Right. Um, I don't give a damn what era it was, crack era or not. Mm-hmm. That's not, that's not that, but I do love her pouring out her heart. It's just, it makes me think of when I read uh, Mike Brown, the one who was gunned down in Ferguson, his mom's memoir. Mm. And I was like, you know, you know, be open, tell the truth. But I'm like, girl, this ain't helping us or your son. <laughs> so, <laughs> I have not read it. So um, I'm not familiar. I mean, it's called tell the truth or shame the devil. Mm, but okay. I don't know if white people coerced her to do that or mm. whatever. But I was just like, I don't. I don't know how I feel about this. But yeah, that's that's my thing. It's like, does this put us in 
in a band. Like even but the ghostwriter here is also black. That lady who Janine Amber, she's black as well. Oh, okay. But I like that she touches on that. So even though that's in the description, towards the end of the book, when she starts her career as a comedian and she's saying like how she was invited to all these shows, you know, with white hosts, she was like, I hope, you know, this is not a thing where I'm becoming a poster child for, you know, growing up in the hood. Um, you know, because I don't want that to just be my story. So I do love that she kind of um, was very adamant about that and was strong about, you know, this is not the only thing that made me, you know, who I am. So. Right. Or that, yeah. you know, we are not a monolith, white people. <laughs> yeah. We are all different. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the music. Segment. Oh, let me. Um, I just want to play. <laughs> Okay. Oh, you want to play some? Go ahead. <laughs> yes. So it was a part in the book. Um, hold on, excuse me. It was a part in the book where she was talking about Derek. So I do not know the actual time, the course of like what the span of their relationship was, how many years. But um let me know long. if you can't hear it. But this is the prayer that she prayed when she was trying to get over that nigga. <laughs> mm, okay, because I only it read it. Hilarious. And stop beating and cheating on me. I can hear it. So we could be okay. a family. Well, Lord, I changed my mind. Fuck that nigga. Take away my love for that lying <laughs> piece of shit. Don't change him. Please, God, change my heart. And I feel like we all can learn. <laughs> and take away. <laughs> I mean, you have to listen to the audiobook. The audiobook. Um, there's, a, there's a really good message in that. It really brings life <laughs> to the situation. And it really lets you know that you don't have to be stuck in your rut and in your struggle. <laughs> and you cannot control people. All you can control is you. And she said, Lord, Yourself. don't fuck that nigga. Change <laughs> me, Lord. Change me. Ooh, yes. Mm, so that was a word. I laughed. I mean, I laughed a lot throughout this book. Just hearing her, um, you know, talk or whatever. And it was just so many, like, funny moments. So if you have an opportunity to listen to the audiobook, you know, listeners or whatever, please do so, you know, because it's it really brings life to the story. But we can move yeah, on. Yeah, that's now. one of the rare books where they're like, yeah, listen to the audio. <laughs> yes, please do, because it gives you a whole different outlook on, you know, the story or whatever. And that was it. All I didn't right. have, I think that was all that I could think about. Um in regards to the book. So go ahead. Oh, all right. Music. Oh, no, segment. no, no, no. Before we move on. What? Her mama. She buried her mama in lingerie. <laughs> you know, what remember what? that? So she was 16. Remember her mama died. The last time she saw her mama is when mm-hmm, the Jump Boys it? came and they raided, you know, her mama hood the dress for her. She said right, it was the last time she in saw a her wheelchair. mama her mom the the next time she saw her mom was at her mom's funeral so her mom had passed away and the mortician called the funeral home called and said hey and she's 16 at the time she has no idea she was like um are you going to bring out an outfit are you going to bring some clothes for your mom and she was like well she's dead you guys are burying her why do i need to um you know bring clothes 
And the guy's like, well, ma'am, you know, we don't bury people in the nude. <laughs> I do so she, goes that. To, <laughs> she goes to Macy's and she's like, okay, you know, my mama never wore anything nice. So I really don't know, you know, how to dress her, what she would like. And it's a lot for, you know, someone at the age, they don't understand. To- you know what's going on right like you don't even you know understand she's never been to a funeral so she talks about her her mom and her mom's love for stories which the soap operas or whatever and one of the characters is always like fancy like in fancy negligee and like um little pajamas and stuff for the house so she bought her mama some lingerie and her brother was like okay now remember why is mama dressed (laughs) like she's about to go sell some coochie when she get to heaven I mean, some of this book was hilarious. <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> Poor kids. Poor kids. Yeah, she did not know any better. But the music, the music is. <laughs> that just reminds okay, me there of Kingdom wasn't... Come. <laughs> yes. I'm going to move on, but remember had on them ballet slippers? It was like, why Yes. <laughs> or how they had Aretha with her... Oh, um, girl, changing the shoes and everything. The outfit changes. Lord, that was the longest funeral I've ever witnessed. And I didn't even watch yeah. it all. Mm-mm. Oh, I pretended I was there. I went to that funeral. I went to Whitney. I went to Whitney. Funeral. I definitely, I cried my ass off for Whitney funeral. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I was definitely getting them jokes off on Twitter. Oh, was that Nipsey's but too? You know, rest in peace. Did not go to that one. No. Watched a glimpse of Kobe's, still struggling. I couldn't watch Kobe's. I still haven't processed that one. So, Because I didn't even like sports growing up, but I definitely remember watching the game. Him and um, Allen Iverson and the playoffs, was it? I was in high school. Mm-hmm. 2001? Uh, sure. I was a huge Lakers fan. I've been like watching sure. since I was I 12. I never, never, um, never been into basketball but they just had so much passion. I mean, I literally watched that game like I knew what the hell I was watching. It was just that good. And, um, like, he's one of those people, like, even if you're not into, like, sports, like, the sportsmanship, like, him as a person just really made me, you know, kind of look oh, up he, to him. Oh, he wasn't known for his sports, sportsmanship. I mean, I know he was an asshole, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but the nigga was, look, he could back it up, what I'm saying. Yeah, he could. And, you know, he eventually could. when he transitioned out of that spot, he was a humble, like he was humble enough to kind of give back, you know, whatever. And even though oh, yeah. he was hard on people, it was to me, it was tough love. And I believe in tough love. You know, I believe in being firm and still schooling people and, you know, <laughs> inspiring. Yeah, I'm, like I'm still mad at people who like I'm still mad at my mama. My mama did not check up on me. So I'm still <laughs> mad. Like I literally loved like Kobe. Mm-hmm. Like I was creating Geo City sites. Mm. <laughs> if anybody remembers Geo Cities, like a whole dedicated. Even my like my daughter knew, like mm-hmm. my exes knew, my high school best friend, my my little cousins who were like around me when I would stay up all night because you know I'm East Coast time. Lakers games start at ten thirty Eastern. Mm-hmm. Up all night watching those games, so I'm I'm still upset that she didn't call me, but she don't call me for a lot of stuff, but. <laughs> Say I'm 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 struggling. I'm gonna have my own funeral over here. I mm. think I am, and just and just cry. But um, all right, let's let's get to this this music segment. Yeah, um, we, we getting off. That, there's <laughs> I, I I found it hard to put together this playlist because okay, this I mean the book is funny, but it's also kind of traumatic. Mm-hmm. Like you just think of it like what the hell. Um, 
So for me, I was stuck in between. I do have seven songs on here, but two songs that I was stuck in between, like choosing for like my number one, and that's Brenda's Got a Baby by Tupac. Okay. <laughs> or The Art of Stel- Storytelling by Outcast Part 1. Oh, that's a good one. That's <laughs> a good one. Oh, my God. That that was a big um, song during my childhood. Yeah. That mm-hmm. was a good one. I didn't think about that. I was in the mindset of she is slanging dope in Atlanta oh. or whatever. <laughs> so, immediately, when I came... So, I left New York at a really good time because hip-hop music was on a decline. I hate to say it because I feel like that's where hip hop really um, originated. But when I came to Atlanta, I was introduced to this like completely new sound. And it was like, you know, Pastor Troy, you know, um, all of these. (laughs) I said he made it to mine for this one. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't add him yet. So I'm still, you know, creating, still working on it. But I was introduced to like T.I., like people that I would not have known if I was still living in New York. And I came at like a good time. I came like... Right before, like, the Snap era started, you know, when house parties was really booming and we were listening to, like, Little John and the East Side Boys, uh, you know, there's some hoes in this house. Like, all of that stuff or whatever was popping, you know, at the time. And I immediately went to, like, just, like, you know, party, dope boy type music or whatever. So my top on my list right now is going to be T.I. Dope Boys. And it's off his trap, or no, I'm serious. I was about to say trap music. Yeah, that's the first but, one. Um, T.I. was definitely one of those artists, you know, I can't really say too much about him now, but one of those artists back in the day where everything he put out was hot, you know, whatever. And he definitely represented, you know, the streets at one point. So because Miss Rabbit was out here, you know, being a hot girl. Oh, that can make the list too. But um, even though she's out here being, you know, a hot girl, that's that's immediately what I thought about, like drugs. <laughs> you know. And yeah, definitely a lot some some down south on this on the playlist. Mm-hmm. Gotta include that. Yes. Gotta include that. Because she was right in the thick of it. All right. Well, let's discuss the next book and then we'll end on the bulletin board. Okay, so the next book, um, I was struggling. I was thinking about, you know, um, going with something short, going with something long. And because we all in the motherfucking house, okay? (laughs) Y'all ain't doing nothing. (laughs) Stay y'all asses at home. I think I shared this on the IG story. Samuel Jackson was reading, stay your ass at home. (laughs) So stay y'all asses at home. You know, we want y'all to be safe. And um, Terry McMillan, she just released the book. On March 31st, and it's titled It's Not All Downhill from Here, Here, excuse me. And that is going to be the book that we are going to read for April. Um, and just a small, short uh, synopsis about what the book is going to be about. It's going to cover one of the main characters. She has like a life change or whatever. So it reads After a sudden change of plans, a remarkable woman and her loyal group of friends tries to figure out what she's going to do with the rest of her life. And that's it. So right now I feel like it's fitting because we're really in a time where we need to be thinking and planning for the future. Absolutely. You know, because of, um, you know, everything that's going on. So I think this is going to be fitting. Um, I hope you guys like it. I just started reading it, so I'm not too deep in, but Terry McMillan is one of my favorite um, writers. I tend to like her audiobooks, um, sometimes a little bit better than the actual book themselves a physical book but i am reading this as the ebook and i'm you know excited did she read it i think she read it i think she she plays uh 
reads one of the characters. She tends okay. to read one of the characters. Um, definitely not all, because she generally has like more than one person narrating. So mm, okay, mm-hmm. okay. So yeah. Oh, if you, I don't know if they have it up on Scribd yet, but Scribd and Audible, I think, is doing some books, but Scribd is allowing like thirty day memberships for free. Mm. Um, okay, and that's S C R I B D. And you can find them. You can just sign up for an account and you get access to all their library. It's ebooks, it's audiobooks, it's magazines, and mm. they have like all like everything. Okay. And it's it's better it's better than a library because you know, library you gotta wait. Depending mm-hmm. on if it's already checked out. So um that's an option as well. Yeah, I think Audible, um, if I'm not mistaken, one of the last things I saw from them was two free downloads when you sign up. Um, but I'm not sure if that has passed, if it's been extended, you know, with everything that's going on. But um, Barnes & Noble is doing um, 50 buy one, get one, uh, 50% off, I believe, too. So it's a lot of different um, sales and different options in regards to reading and getting access to to material right so you ain't got no excuses you at home no nope. y'all should be you reading this home. with us <laughs> look i All got right, 20 so... days left on my library uh check out for this book so oh, you I'm just read got it. it okay they need to extend them i need more than three weeks no, i'm gonna I'm take it usually takes me four weeks hello and life <laughs> is still going on like working school look i don't have time to be you know reading all of the time you know so yeah but i'm gonna try and read this one quickly all right anything on the bulletin board mm. while we in For the house no um y'all just be safe because it's real you know it's really real um and the thing is like we talked about this earlier um the magnitude of it is getting closer and closer to home so make sure that you guys um you know stay protected uh make sure that you're following the guidelines that are put in place um and just be mindful because um, even in regards to your safety, I have friends that work in healthcare. I have friends that are, you know, in medical research and stuff like that. And they're really on the front lines. And we really need to take it seriously because they are pretty much, you know, stressed out. You know, not particularly them being stressed out, but the medical field itself is being really um, stretched at this point. And it's serious. So we need to do what we can, you know, to protect ourselves and also to protect our loved ones and our friends that may be exposed, whether it's on the front line as far as helping or on the front line, you know, being that they're already sick or have, you know, contracted the virus because it's very, very serious. And that's all I have for bulletin because ain't much going on. I'm just trying to maintain and not go crazy. Exactly. So. I usually have my giveaways every month, but I will not be leaving my house to go to the post office. So just follow me anyway or join my email <laughs> list. So when I do finally give away these books, because mm-hmm. I will probably have five or six or seven or eight <laughs> by the time we get to leave right. the house. Um, I'll, I'll be giving away all of them at once, I believe. Um, and in terms of being in the house, I am actually 
occasionally getting on Instagram live with my friends mm. and trying to entertain folks tomorrow, which y'all, by the time y'all read this, it will been a past, but we're doing a Nicki Minaj versus Little Kim. I saw. Um, hit thing. Cause yes. they're not going to get on live and do it. <laughs> okay. So, I would try to think of some more. I'm trying to convince him to do Mariah Carey versus Beyonce and go like hit for hit, like Chante mm-hmm. um, Austin and Neo or That's Scott Storch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking of people who are not going to go head to head. And then last week we did Song Association with um, True for Drink. So, you know, I'm trying to be on live every Friday with some mm-hmm. alcohol, trying to bring some joy <laughs> into some folks' yeah. homes. Um, and that's important. So follow me at Tamiki mm-hmm. if you want to, you know, be ignorant with me and my friends. That's important. <laughs> so before we go, um, so you're mentioning, you know, something that you're doing to kind of combat, uh, you know, becoming stir crazy. Um, what I've been doing is trying to maintain as much um, normalcy as possible. Uh, you know, I'm still working full time, which is taking up a lot of my time. Still doing school, which is taking up a lot of my time. Um, but the times that I do kind of get um, time for myself, I try to make sure that I'm actively reaching out to friends, talking to friends, whether that's, you know, through text, um, audio or, you know, calling them up on um, FaceTime or whatever the case may be. Um, my post studio they're offering pole and dance classes and workout classes via Zoom. So my ass has been sweating, you know. <laughs> I'm eating all these Debbie cakes, but I have been um, working them off, you know, um, at least one class per day, if not two. Some days I'm doing two classes, you know, just kind of keep my mind, um, you know, fresh because I feel like I watch all the TV I could really watch. Um, and I did go out to the beach um, not too long ago. Uh, there's a beach close by. It's a man-made beach, but it's like a trail. Like, it's pretty big, so it's not like, you know, a small, confined place. But I don't know how that's going to work with, um, you know, you know the new uh, stay-at-home order or whatever. So, you know, just, you know, make sure you guys are doing something to kind of keep your mind um, fresh. Don't fall into, like, you know, depression and stuff like that. Anything else that you're doing while you're at home that you can think of, maybe? So I'm also working full-time, and I'm, like, working, working. Um, so I support the army and they are, <laughs> mm-hmm. and oh, yeah, under the army includes the national guard. So like we are still having customer meetings Girl. and things like that and trying to support the country during this time. Um, I'm also at home with a teenager, um, who is eating meat out of a house in a home. <laughs> but what I have been doing is I'm not stressing myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to try to get up every morning at, at six. Now that's been moved to seven. Mm-hmm. Um, after work, I'm having a drink if I feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I stop work immediately at five. I'm taking a lunch break. Um, I'm really not pushing myself. I thought that I was going to be doing more as far as trying to create multiple streams of income and stuff like that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not about to be stressed. Um, yeah. One of the things somebody said the other day is... And I've always worked from home, so this is this is nothing new. Um, but it's like you're not working from home. You're trying to work from home during an, a pandemic or yeah. epidemic, whatever this, this shit is. Um, Girl, it's the pain. It's the world. <laughs> and I, oh, that's what that means. So look, I don't know. I didn't. I don't know any big words. But <laughs> um, I um, 
what I've noticed is that nobody, and I'm grateful to have a job. I'm grateful to be still getting my full paycheck or whatever, but nobody has stopped to say, and we've tried to have a bunch of meetings on, you know, take care of yourself, but it's like, we've, everybody's continuing to work and like, we just need to stop Mm -hmm. and just just kind of process what's going on. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the, the two the two days at the end of the week ain't going to cut it because they weren't cutting it before we had this. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> like my boss next week, she's working. She took all, she took half days all next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's just like, I'll be on in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I think I'm going to have to follow suit, which I ain't want to use none of my damn vacation days. Yeah. If I could, well, I ain't going to say this online. I'm going to keep my thoughts to myself, but I'm really not trying to use my vacation, uh-huh. my vacation days. But I may, I might end up using some of my sick days mm-hmm. um, and use those as mental health mental days. Health days. Because, yep. Yeah. I just need to. Yes, girl. I just need a break. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to just not do shit. Like, typically my weekends are filled with side hustle stuff. And mm-hmm. I literally drink, dance, and sleep mm-hmm. on the weekends. That's all I do. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a thing, like, um, that is a thing, because, uh, you know, one of our friends was asking, you know, what are you, what are you guys, you know, planning to do? How are you guys, you know, are you going to use this time, you know, to do this and do that? Look, I'm going to use this time to maintain. If nothing else, I'm going to use this time to maintain. I'm not putting any pressure on myself to, um, you know, start working. Like, sometimes I may, you know, work on something, you know, small, but... Honey, I'm not pressuring myself to do any of that. I'm literally, because I don't want to use PTO, I literally am clocking in at seven, clocking out for class for three, four hours, clocking back in um, that same day to make up those three, four hours. So I'm working. I'm still working like 15, 16 hour days. Um, You know, only thing is I don't have to drive in traffic. Um, And, you know, school has not slowed down. Like we are still, you know, processing um, you know, we're talking about what's going on because I'm in nursing school. So, you know, my first week of clinicals, um, once everything pretty much shut down was talking about, you know, what's going on right now. Um, and it's a lot, it's stressful trying to maintain, um, and trying to focus because it's been hard. Me and my classmates have really been struggling, you know, to stay focused because there's so much going on, you know, around us, so much noise. Um, so yeah, I have nothing else. I'm just trying to stay sane, keep my mind, um, going back to spiritual practices, you know, taking it easy, started journaling again, committing to that, um, journaling every day. If I can, if I don't remember, I write something in my phone, transfer it over to my, you know, my diary. Um, and I've been a lot more active on social media and I don't feel bad about it, um, at all, you know, cause it just helps me keep, um, feel connected, you know, with people, um, or whatever and not, cause I live by myself and I just have the dog, you know, whatever. And I've literally been in the house. So, you know, it just helps me, um, you know, remain, um, connected and don't feel so isolated. Cause the difference when you pick to choose and, you know, um, isolate by yourself, you know, on your own versus somebody saying, Hey, you need to see your black ass home. So, um, because it's some right. in the streets. So, um, it's I a ain't big got difference. no choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, just maintained. Um, what was that? Somebody shared something from Lovey, um, the conversation with her therapist in regards to, oh, yeah. um, you know, that fight or flight, you know, sink or swim, you know, and just not being able to take a moment for yourself. Because um, once you do, or you just kind of relax, you kind of feel like if I'm not doing, you know, I'm going to sink. And her therapist is like, well, what if you float? 
you know. And I immediately was like, well, damn, because, you know, when you're just chilling, you relax, water going to carry you, you know, whatever, if you're not panicking and stuff like that. So I think this is a moment for people to kind of just center yourselves, ground yourselves, you know, relax if you can, you know, whatever. It's already enough craziness in the world. Don't add to it and don't let it get into your head. So. Right. I'm like you said, I'm not I'm not stressing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not telling the universe that, hey, I like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I don't just doing what I can. Just doing the I don't. If I got yeah. to break my back to get a dollar, that's that that's not that's not what I want for my future. I am fully aware that I can find something, a space for me that aligns with my spirit and my temperament and and what I want in life and bring me the money that I want. So um I'm chilling. Girl. All right, well, y'all <laughs> stay y'all asses in the house. Please Hopefully. stay y'all ass home. Be safe. If I see you outside, I'm hitting you in the head with an orange. I'm calling like, him. Wait I'm calling the popo, ho, Okay, <laughs> I'm getting that money. I think they paying or <laughs> they would. Oh, I'm definitely paying. Snitching. Look, I'm. Y'all get on y'all IG if y'all want to. I'm calling. Hello. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where they at, but um, yeah, I see some niggas outside, and you damn sure ain't coming over to my place. Like I. I have been, um, you know, kind of just telling people no. Um, I feel bad for it, you know, whatever. But oh, at the don't. same time, um, I don't know what people are doing, you know. And they really don't have, uh, I mean, they keep changing as far as like how this thing is transmitted and stuff like that. Um, you know, but stop having kickbacks. Yes, y'all, please. Even if it's two, three, y'all, um, don't do it. Because I almost did. If I can't cuddle with my friend you can't with yours girl say yes at home because i am upset girl look i want to say something but i ain't but i ain't gonna say it but (laughs) right you know um i'm just real in the streets you know i can't you know so yeah you know it is what it is you know Hmm. All right. Well, we will see you guys next month. We love y'all and stay safe and healthy. Please stay safe. Please stay home. Bye. All right. (laughs) Bye.